Welcome back, everybody. I'm having fun uh, speaking with Tina Arning. I've seen Dina before in Everybody Loves Raymond and um, didn't you know, remember watching Tina because it's been a little uh, while ago. And then I saw Tina again on Tacoma FD, which I'm really enjoying right now. So mm -hmm. I wanted to speak to her. I wanted to find out uh, about uh, her background and uh, the show. So please welcome to the program, Tina Arning. Hi, Alan. Hello. And thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm really uh, excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Um, okay, you and uh, Allison Dunbar actually intersected a couple of times. I don't know if you know Allison well, but uh, both of you were on the Tacoma FD and then both of you- Oh, Allison is? No, I didn't know that. Oh yeah. my God, no, what's her role? Uh, she had a minor little role in the episode where uh, she was, I, I need to double check which episode it was, but. Uh, her and a group of friends were having a party. The guys, uh, you know, came in uh, and then were mistaken for uh, for exotic dancers when they weren't. So uh, Tina was in that. Excuse me, Tina. Uh, Allison was in that episode. And then both, both of you were on uh, Modern Family. I saw That's you correct. know a picture of both of you in the same scene. So that was uh, that was fun. Uh, do you know each other well, or? We don't know each other well. Um, you know, we texted for a little while. Uh, that scene in Modern Family, we were the housewives yeah. of Closet Con. So um, Allison, myself, and Jennifer O'Dell, it was the three of us, and we were joking, maybe not completely, but joking that we should start a Real Housewives of Closet Con spinoff. And so we were just kind of playing with that for a while. Um, so just some group texts and whatnot. But she's terrific. I mean, she's a very talented actress a great person to work with. I didn't know she was on Tacoma FD. I should reach out to her and let her know that I've talked to you. Are you speaking to Allison as well? Uh, I talked to Allison, uh, I think a week ago. Uh, oh, cool. She was very, very lovely. Oh, that's so great. I'll have to watch that one. Yeah, I didn't know. She's great. She, so it's I just, uh, by the way, going back to your idea, I definitely think you should do it. <laughs> just, it, it, sounds, it sounds perfect enough. I already yeah. am hooked without even knowing much about uh, this. this <laughs> future show so you should definitely do it um, yeah. so uh, again I you know uh, we'll, we'll come back to everybody loves Raymond but since uh, Tacoma FD is fresh in my mind uh, I think I'm one episode away from finishing uh, season two um, I love the guys uh, from uh, Broken Lizard I think uh, the the first that I saw of them was uh, uh, Super Troopers and since yeah it came out, I think anytime the movie comes on and I see it on any channel, I stop and I have to watch. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, comedies of all time. So really? I think, I, 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 I'm sure I'm mistaken, but I think I've watched everything that they have done. So once I learned that Tacoma FD was, uh, was actually uh, them, immediately I, I went and I haven't regretted a moment there. So uh, how, I know, again, you, you play the role of Lola, uh, and it's really, uh, you know, funny role and pivotal. You, you certainly kind of uh, <laughs> finish, finish season one and start season two. Uh, how did that project come about for you? Were you familiar with their work, or uh, was it just an audition? Oh, God, I wish I could say I was familiar with their work. Although I will say, I don't know that I'm the Broken Lizard demo in my defense. So, um, demographic, target demographic. Uh, so I was not familiar with their work, but I'll tell you this, um, it was an audition um, with Wendy O'Brien and her office, a great group of casting. And, um, and when I got there, Kevin and I, I'm Kevin, um, Steve and I, Steve Lemmy, um, the first scene that we did was the scene in bed. 
And so it was hilarious because it was, you know, and you hear these stories, but it was, it was actually like, hello, nice to meet you, get in bed, you know, and we were, they were oiling us up and we were, the beginning of the scene is me laying on top of him. So he's happily married. Like we were both another, it was nothing like that, but it was just so funny that we were like, so where are you from while I'm lying on top of him and people are like greasing me and they're greasing him and it was hilarious. So um, we got to know each other well <laughs> um, quickly. And, um, you know, they were early in the season at that point and Steve and Kevin are two of the nicest people I've ever worked with. I've worked with a lot of great people. I mean, there are very few that I've had anything but um, that raves about. But Steve and Kevin are, they're just, they're so gracious. And I've had the privilege now of working on a couple of shows when they were new. So Everybody Loves Raymond was one of those shows. Mm -hmm. So when a show is new, there's an energy about it. There's just a crackling sort of vibe in the air. People are so excited. And people who get there generally have worked for a really long time. And everyone's very like, maybe this is going to go. And nobody really knows. On Everybody Loves Raymond, we didn't know. We shot episode, I think, six. Five, three, I forget, it was an early episode, five, something, very early. We still didn't know if it was going to go to series. We hadn't even aired yet. So it was all a big guessing game. And, um, you know, and I was there the first night that it aired, we had like a party. I'm getting off track, but, um, but everybody was like so excited. It was for the first episode of mm -hmm. Raymond. We went to a place called Barone's because the Barone family. Um, there's a place called Barones in the Valley and we went there and, uh, and we watched it all together and we all had pizza and it was just a super exciting vibe. So Steve and Kevin being with them at the beginning of Tacoma FD was a similar experience and what a privilege. So uh, back to you. Okay. So I'm greased up. I'm laying on top of Steve who couldn't be nicer. And he's like, do you need anything? Can I get you a bottle of water? And it may not sound like a big deal, but I will never forget that. I was like, aren't you the creator of the show? Aren't you the creator, the executive producer and the star? people offered me water but like no one in your position and he thought nothing of it he was just concerned that I was comfortable and he's like I'm sorry we need to meet this way I mean he was just so gracious and so smart he was he went to an excellent school in New York that we joke about as it turns out if you can believe this I went to summer camp with his senior prom date oh my god can you imagine what a small world. Yeah. So we took a selfie and sent it over to her. <laughs> so it turned out we had a couple of things in common, a couple of crisscrosses. But, um, but Steve Lemmy is just one of the nicest people I know. And Kevin Heffernan, same thing. And they happen to be hilariously funny and they happen to be very successful. But I'll tell you something, first and foremost, they're like family men, super devoted to their families, great kids, great wives, just just a pleasure it's just a privilege it's a privilege to know them a privilege to be on such a great show with them the whole thing was just all a privilege yeah um and that's again it's, it's kind of my my cup of tea i love improv guys i love uh, you know people who are in comedy and i love when just a bunch of people get together and they have fun and that's yeah. you know and a show is just an outcome of that fun and yes. that's that's the the energy that they portray and seeing them you know, over the past whatever number of years since, uh, since Super Trooper came out, um, it's just cool. It's cool to see them. It's cool that they're still having fun uh, together. I miss some of their, you know, their comrades that I keep hoping are going to pop into one of the episodes. They yeah. still haven't, so maybe season three, we'll see what happens. But uh, it's just, it's great. It's now actually weird for me to see uh, uh, Steve without a mustache. <laughs> I know. So you see him with a mustache everywhere. It's great. 
Yeah. And every now and then I see somebody without irony with the same mustache. And I have to wonder if Steve and Kevin are responsible. Did they start the trend? They may have because, you know, there are people who actually wear it on purpose. Wow. Uh, and then they, in one of the episodes uh, where uh, season two, they had, uh, um, they were coming in and a scene where there were actors playing, uh, you know, firemen. And the guy's asking for advice and he has a, a mustache. He's like, it's, it's a fake mustache. Get out. I don't want to see you. And then <laughs> I didn't that, see that one. meta thing that I, I really enjoy where they're kind of making fun of themselves, making fun of somebody else. It's great. Yeah. 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 Well, that is another thing. I don't know if this is what you were saying, but I'm um, speaking mm -hmm. of improv, you know, that is one of the sets that I felt the safest improving. So um, mm -hmm. in the first episode, when I ended up getting mad at him, I think in the script, I think I say one thing and I push him, that was the script. So instead, I went, you know, I just went bananas and I went crazy and I started yelling. And I started yelling all kinds of stuff. And they were like, cut, do more. And they were like, it's great, do more. And then at the end, the cliffhanger of um, where, you know, the cliffhanger, that also, they were like, do more. I mean, they are just so collaborative. They want to hear everyone's ideas. Best idea wins. And it's just, it's like, it really brings out the, your best work because you feel supported. You feel like people will hear what you want to say, you know, and sets differ in that regard. Some people want to hear what you have to say. Some sets really don't. And that one is just, it's a full collaborative process. And I think you're right. I think it's because they started in that sense. They're stand-up comics and they've created things with friends. And so they've always had this kind of feeling where we're family, we're creatives, we work together. And so but you really feel that coming on the set. That's very cool. And uh, our, you mentioned uh, that both of them are family men. Did their family, you know, come on set? It would be uh, kind of interesting to see that, uh, especially with, uh, well, uh, you know, Eddie Panisi doesn't have any kids. Almost. Uh, and, Almost. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, Kevin's character has, uh, has three. So just to see the interaction between his actual family and his intro family would be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not really sure how much is like appropriate for me to share, and I don't have that much to share. I will just say that I, you know, their families are just beautiful families. And I think Kevin's daughters actually play his daughters in the show, um, McCloskey's daughters. Those are actually his daughters. Really? I didn't yep. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not sure if Steve has done the same or if he's got plans to do the same. I'm not sure, but um, but I think Kevin's does. Yeah, uh, and I hope that's okay to say. Um, yeah, but they're just yeah, their wives are great and get great kids and. Yeah, I think that's okay to say. I, I don't see a reason for it. I mean, yeah. feel free to feel free to check with uh, with Kevin, and if not, we we can cut this part. But uh, I I always found those two uh, two girls a very interesting choice of them just being constantly on the phone, and yeah. uh, you know, eating, doing anything. It's on the phone. The only time where they where they raised their eyes was uh, with uh, uh, in an episode where the old the Eddie Panisi senior you know, was, uh, was telling them something. And I think he gave them a gift and that's when they finally raised, uh, raised away from the phone. So now. Oh, that's a, go ahead. Um, yeah. The one scene, uh, the first episode of season two, I actually say something that's just grotesquely inappropriate. They raise their eyes at that too. They raise their eyes and like have a look of disgust. So. <laughs> I need to rewatch that because. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. So, um, but I wanted to uh, just touch base on the, um, the improv piece, you know, and it's such a, that is such a talent. And I came up doing improv in New York and I did it with um, Artie Lang, uh, who you may know from the Howard Stern show and a guy named Jimmy Palumbo, very successful actor. 
And I'm one of those people who people liked as a person, so they brought me on board. Um, but I was never the one, like you could just stand back and Artie Lang could just walk on stage and you'd be crying laughing. He was just so funny. You've never seen anyone so gifted. And so I've had the great privilege of working with a lot of people like that. But again, I think it's because, well, I know it's because they're like, yeah, she's cool. Let's bring her along and not because of any particular gift. So I went on to do, I think, Second City here in Los Angeles and, you know, not particularly good. And the teacher at the end, we had like our, like our individual conferences and he basically was telling me, you know, <laughs> you should find something else to do with your life. And he's like, I just don't know what really brought you to improv. I said, well, I came up doing improv. I did it with Artie Lang in New York and I'll never forget his look because he looked at me like this. He went, I find that very hard to believe. <laughs> so yeah, but anyway, so be that as it may, whether I'm gifted in proper or I'm not, I will say that without like the, the pressure of make a da -da -da line, you know, like say something funny, which is what improv is. And some people are great at it. That's not my skill, but having that training, finding myself, luckily being in the presence of people like Kevin and Steve, mm -hmm. there's so much room for that. So much room for collaboration. Some things work, some things don't, but just doing it brings everyone together. It raises everyone's performance and everyone does. They all, they all do that. It's a very, very collaborative improv sort of um, set. And it's, it's so fun. Yeah. Um, going back and I, I, I will disagree with, uh, with your, uh, second city, uh, city, second city teacher. I I did A three at Second City in Chicago, um, mm. so I didn't go to the conservatory because as much as I loved it, I knew that I was not going to be. I don't have a you know two and a half years to kind of dedicate to uh, that, knowing that I'm not going to be doing improv uh, full time. So I I extracted myself clawing uh, uh, from it, but you know improv is not about being funny. Improv is about uh, being open and uh, things come out naturally. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not. And it's just being there, being present, accepting, you know, what comes. Uh, when people are trying to be funny, then it goes off the rails because you're not supposed to script anything. You're not supposed to kind of get to that punchline. You're just supposed to be open. What I found with myself is that I'm a writer and it took me kind of a number of uh, a few months probably in in classes to get away from writing uh, when I was in a scene because they said something I know where it's going okay I'm gonna say this he's gonna say that I'm gonna bring it here punchline can't do that so I had to really get away from all of that and just be present and mm -hmm. what it ended up being is that I think I'm funny and usually when uh, when I speak to people I'm funny but when I was doing improv when I get on stage more often than not, I would be the straight man. And I said, okay, fine. Then I'll be right. the straight man because it's also needed in the scene. So I just played that role. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it's interesting that you would say that because I think that you're, um, you're really dead on in that regard. And I find that the scariest thing as an actor for me mm -hmm. is to, because I'll go into any scene, I think my biggest fear is dropping a line. My biggest fear is that I drop a line and everyone has to stop. So I think that I always have it in my head and I too, I, I'm, you know, I'm a student. I was always a, a good student. I'm very studious and I learn things and I, you know, I'm cerebral that way. I think that I'm right in the middle, left brain, right brain. So I learn my lines, but they're in my head. And I think that my best work comes when I trust 
that it'll be there and really be present in the scene. But that's a really scary ride. It is scary because you don't know. And sometimes it's not there. But when it is there and you trust it and you just let it take you, that's the, that's the best work. There's no question. Completely agree. Yeah, we, we have to step away. We have to get out of our heads. We just, uh, we, when people are saying you have to be grounded, uh, to me, I interpret that as you have to be within your body and you have to get out of your head. You know, do your homework, be prepared, know that it's going to come because if you're in your body, if you're right here, then things will just naturally come out because you're embodying the character. Mm -hmm. So what the character says should come out naturally as if you are in that character in that moment right there. So mm -hmm. you can't think. If you're thinking, then you immediately uh, remove yourself from the present moment and then you're observing and you're trying to kind of fit things in and then, you know, a lot of stuff goes away. So I, yes. I agree with you. Well, you're totally right. And so you get very cerebral and you're not in the flow of the scene. And another thing that I've made this mistake many, many times is where I read a script and I, I can see it, I can hear it, I have a sense of what this is going to look like. Well, then I go in with that preconceived notion. And most of the time, it is nothing like what I thought it would be. Tonality is different, coloring is different, it, everything's different. So again, that's one of the things that I'm trying to learn that I think it all comes to the same thing. If you are grounded, you're connected, and just trust that everyone else is gonna do their job. Music is gonna do their job, host is gonna do their job, direct, everyone else has got it. All that we really need is you and I to be connected and let that take us where it will. And the more truthful we are, the easier, the, but then they can work with it. But when you have an idea and then you deliver something, it ends up being completely wrong. It's, it's, it's wooden, it's dead, and it's, it's not successful. Right. And what I found worked for me to get out of my head is to focus uh, on uh, the person in front of me. So whoever yes. I'm in the scene with, if I forget about me, really, and I just focus on them, because then we get back into what is our normal, you know, modus operandi, right? No, normal modus, we talk to each other. We talk to each other and then based on, okay, I'm seeing that you're nodding. Okay, so she must be agreeing with me. So we're, we're, it's going well, right? So it, it affects me and we can skip all of the acting jargon of you have to listen, you have to be present, you have to be grounded. We, we can stop thinking about all of that and just be. Just and as, as soon as I look, you know, I, I look at uh, whoever I'm in the scene with in the eyes and I see their body language, immediately everything turns on because, you know, I'm an em empathic person. So I, you know, get a, a good sense of what is happening within the other person, whether they're holding back, whether or not. And then I just work with them. And as soon as I allowed myself to do that, acting became much simpler and much more interesting. It's absolutely true. Um, I did, um, I'll have a couple of anecdotes about that. Um, in uh, Ivana Chavik is a, well-known acting teacher in town. I studied, by the way, with probably every acting teacher in town. So she was one, um, all good. And who's, oh, Eric, I forget his name. He was on ER, African-American actor, very well-respected. Yeah. I want to say Eric Pascal. What's his um, name? What's his name? Do you remember? No, it's not Pascal. Uh, I don't remember. Um, I, I know him. He was on- uh, We'll think of it. So very respected. Yeah. He was with. I don't remember the name, but um, he was a guest. What? Uh, uh, he was a guest um, teacher in the class. Yeah. 
And so I went up and I was so nervous, which by the way, wouldn't it be great if we could just get rid of that because it's so, it's so crippling. So I was so nervous and I did a scene poorly and Eric, his name, Eric came up and he was like, okay, turn, turn your chair back to back. And then he said to me, of course, he said, what color are your partner's eyes? Uh-huh. And I didn't know. He said, what color is his shirt? Didn't know. No idea. So that was a very good lesson because I was completely in my head. Are you good? Are you? Yeah, I'm looking up. Uh, I'm looking up Eric to see, you know, the last name because it's going to bother you and I. So Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but the lesson is um, I couldn't answer because I wasn't present at all because I was just in my head hoping to do, you know, a relatively decent job. Mm-hmm. And actors that I've noticed do this, there was one actor that I worked with. I was um, on The Young and the Restless for, uh, for I don't know, three or four years in mm-hmm. the 90s. And I worked with an actor whose name also escapes me. But he was very good, but he would squint a bit. Like he would look and he would squint. Mm-hmm. And I remember the time as an actress, I was a little unnerved by that. I was like, you know, I felt a little bit like put on the spot, but now I understand it. And I actually watch uh, Tom Cruise, who, whatever your thoughts are of Tom Cruise, I think he's a very solid actor. Absolutely. And he locks in his eyes, whether or not he's really looking at a person, his eyes lock in to whoever he's talking to. And I marvel at that. And I watch him and I think, see, that's the ticket. Because when you're locked in, you're present. You can't be that locked in to someone and not be present and not be reacting. It's a natural, it's a natural instinct. It's a natural reaction. Yeah, I completely agree. And we're going to look up Eric's name uh, later. If, if you're talking <laughs> about the same Eric, he was, uh, you know, with uh, with Eddie Murphy on Coming to America. Is that the same Eric we're talking about? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think it's I the same Eric we're talking about. All right, well, we'll look it up. We're going to put it uh, right below the video. I don't want to, you know, I kind of spend more time looking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, like some back checks. Uh, it's, it's great lesson. And then the... Uh, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, I was taking a workshop, which was not an acting workshop. It was a workshop on uh, on media in general and how to uh, how to uh, do interviews and how to be interviewed by uh, the media. And um, one of the teachers, or I, the main teacher, she uh, she was doing all sorts of different uh, kind of uh, techniques in order to get us to to relax, to get us into our body, and then to pay attention to others. So one of the exercises specifically is she put, she paired us up and then uh, she put us really close to, uh, to one another. And then she said, you have to look in each other's eyes uh, continuously until I say uh, stop. And it was for a long time, it was over a minute. And it was probably one of the most impactful exercises uh, I've ever done because you really connect with with the other person. You really connect with the soul. Um, I certainly understand why people say that. Uh, you know, if you want to fall in love with somebody, you know, spend uh, spend time with their eyes because it's a really, really, really strong connection. So mm-hmm. that again was one of those uh, moments where it reinforced of you have to be in a scene. You have to be with the other person. Um, That's interesting. Um, we did something like that. I, I think you're right. I think a lot of uh, teachers do that. We did one um, in another acting class, and it wasn't just I've done that one with looking each other's eyes, very, very uncomfortable. But there was one where we would have to look into each other's eyes 
And we, I don't remember the exact exercise, but it was something like, if I'm doing it with you right now, I would say, you're nodding. And you'd say, I'm nodding. And I'd say, you're nodding. And did you do that? That one? Okay. So yeah, you go back and forth and you just observe until you observe something else. And you stay locked in and you do it for, I don't know how long you do it. But that exercise, that actually ruined my relationship because I was so bonded. By the time I was done, after what, three weeks of this with my partner, mm -hmm. I was so in love <laughs> with my partner. Mm -hmm. And it really exposed how disconnected I'd become from the person I was with. You're right. It's, it's a little, you got to be really judicious. <laughs> who you do that with and what your life situation is because, and I remember going home to my boyfriend at the time saying, this is really intense. I think you and I need to do some work in our relationship. I feel like I'm cheating on you. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to transfer it. It wasn't successful, but um, it's very intense. It is. Um, I completely felt that because in that exercise that I was just referring to, they put me right across from a really, really beautiful woman uh, who I did not know. She did not know me. And after being in her eyes for a while, both of us uh, said, okay. And then we walked to the other ends of the room <laughs> because she's married, I'm married. Right. And, you know, all these, all these great connections are great. But yeah, be very careful with that. Very careful. Well, it's funny you would say that because there's another thing, and I don't know how much of this you've done in class or um, on set, but I, anyone, you know, I haven't done like an actual, like a real, like real, you know, kind of lovey-dovey scene for a while. But when I have in the past, and I've had to make out with someone for a day or two, you know, because of that's what the scene called. I have to say, I kind of, that was, I guess it was different. I guess that's a different thing because I think that's maybe more of a chemical thing. It's an oxytocin release. Right. But actors who've been through this might be able to relate. I feel like it's this really cool, special bond because when you're intimate with someone, it's a bond. It's a chemical bond. But then there's probably all sorts of other stuff. There's baggage, there's upset, there's conflict, there's all kinds of crazy things. So it's not clean. Whereas the times that I've done it with a scene partner or with an acting partner on set, we've got none of that. We're coworkers. We're coworkers. We get there and then we make out, make out, make out, make out. And at the end of the day, we're like, great working with you. See you later. But when I see them, there's only a couple of them. There's, I see them and I just feel this fondness, like this closeness to them. I've never been intimate offset. It's nothing like, but there's something about, there's something about having that physical connection with someone. And that's, I don't know, there's something about that. Have you experienced that or am I, I don't know. I, no, you're, you're right. Uh, I have not uh, in all of the roles that I played. So I didn't have it in the, in the workshops or in the training that I've done. And in all of the roles I played, I never had to. I always kind of uh, was, uh, was worried about having that conversation with my wife, <laughs> who is not in the business of saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing this role and this is what it entails. Hmm. Thankfully, uh, you know, my type is not the, uh, you know, leading man uh, romantic interest, which makes things a lot simpler for me where I don't have to have these conversations. But uh, I think it's because, again, we as people generally have our guard up. And then being in those environments that are safe, we, we let the guard down and then being you know, making out with somebody or being intimate with somebody uh, in that way, it really just allows you to connect. And when we connect as people, as genuine kind of energy and human beings, there will always be that fondness. You know, what we choose to do with it or not and how we kind of put it aside right. is, is on us. But once that connection is made, the connection is there. 
Yep. Yep. That's definitely true. Um, yeah. And speaking of type, uh, it's funny because um, I did this role where I was playing a cougar. I expect more of those roles to be coming my way. Um, and I was making out with, uh, with a guy who was supposed to be on my team. So it was the first, <laughs> it was the first time that we were supposed to be making out and there was like, no question we weren't actually going to like it was it was taken from the back of my head and so we were just kind of going like that and i was thinking this guy is so much younger than i am was he worried that he have to was he like oh lord i you know what i mean like when you're younger you're like woo, it's all kind of fun games but it's just interesting when you cross into different types it's just an interesting thing it's just interesting um, speaking as a man uh no i i would say that no men men don't think that way they they would oh. <laughs> okay. uh, I, I keep telling my wife, uh, and you know, it, it took her a while to adjust to that, is that men are really simple creatures. We are single-threaded. You know, we say what we mean, and that's basically what we mean. There's no a thought behind the thought behind the thought behind the thought, and I'm going to say this way, <laughs> but really this is where I'm trying to guide you to it. Some people are, of course, and they're, you know, very manipulative, and but... For the most part, guys are really, really simple. This is what we feel. This is what we say. This is what we thought. There is not much more than that. Uh, so men, you know, in, in a situation where an actor has to uh, make out with somebody, with an older, uh, beautiful woman, they're not thinking she's older. They're thinking, great. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's usually, that's it. And it doesn't, it doesn't go much farther than that. They, now, some of them may say, okay, is, is my breath okay? You know, uh, how do I make sure that I don't do anything that offends her in any way? So they kind of may, may go that route. But I, the thought that you were concerned with, I don't think enters into the equation. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Good to know. <laughs> You're welcome. Again, men are simple. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, uh, about Ray uh, and um, uh, one of you know my favorite shows, which now would be a great time to binge because it's such a it's such a lovely lovely series. Uh, I, I want to go back to Everybody Loves Raymond. My wife enjoyed it uh, again. We used to watch it together when she was watching uh, you know TV with uh, with me. Now she's way too busy with uh, with her time. Um, how did that? I I think again you you mentioned that. Uh, you started out, you didn't know it was going to be a, a series. How did it kind of come to pass? Just another audition or uh, somebody saw you in theater and uh, decided that you would be a good fit for this role? Um, no, I think that's how I got my agent. Okay. That's how I got my agent um, was because I was uh, doing The Young and the Restless and my agent was actually a fan of the show. So that's how I got, and then the agent uh, brought me to the audition. Now that audition, you know, um, it's funny because Angelina uh, is a waitress. Mm -hmm. And as many actresses, I happened to have been a waitress at that time. So I think I probably came from my waitressing job to audition. <laughs> and I remember Lisa Miller, Lisa Miller Katz, amazing woman, um, a casting director, and she, I'd never met her before. And she kept coming out of the audition room and saying, Okay, it is not a sex scene. You are not coming on to him. You're just waiting tables, that is it. And for some reason, no one was grasping that. I think I just got lucky. No one, to me, that was a no-brainer. I mean, I knew what it, the line was like, what, what would you like? 
I'll bring you some water. I mean, honestly, it, it, to me, I just said the same way. <laughs> just to say those words two hours earlier. But I guess women who weren't like freshly out of the restaurant were, you know, putting more into it than it was necessary. And I just, I just got it. I understood it. I'm saying. So I understood what they were looking for, and they liked my look as well. I think that um, they'd done a pilot with um, an actress who I actually knew a little bit. And she um, was a beautiful girl, but she was a blonde, more of like a, a Cheryl Teagues type. And mm -hmm. I think that they were like, that's not the right look for this show, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's how it all came together. And, uh, you know, when I was younger, I was much more ignorant in terms of people and actors and big names. So I, thankfully, had no idea who Peter Boyle was. I had no idea who Doris Robert was. I I knew Brad because we'd mutual friends and we'd done voiceovers together. So I knew Brad Garrett. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, you know, they were all like, hey, great to meet you. What did I know? I didn't know anything. So, and that's great because a lot of the shows that I booked, if I'd known who I was working with, I wouldn't have booked them because I would have been too nervous. Um, I'd uh, booked a, a role on news radio. Can you imagine Phil Hartman, Joe Rogan? He's stunning people in Dave Foley. I didn't know. Who are they? I didn't know. They were just actors. For all I knew, they were from my acting class, you know. So um, <laughs> ignorance for me has sometimes worked in my favor. So, yeah. So um, Everybody Loves Raymond, it was, uh, yeah, it was brand new. And at that time, it was the Friends wave. And everyone thought you needed to be very cosmopolitan, very cutting edge, very edgy and um, trendy and cool and beautiful. And clearly, the show was none of those things. And so they used to get notes from the network telling them to do that. And Phil and Ray were like, that is not our show. And they stuck to their creative vision, thank God. And, you know, and it was it was this stunning icon of the era. I mean, really, it's one of the best shows ever made. So but what I mean, again, so I was just so lucky I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah, but you also did you did the right thing in an audition because a lot of the a lot of the actors want to show range. And they want to say when they're bringing you the water, they are bringing in the water, but they're not really bringing in the water. And they're going right. to—they're going to go back and have this entire backstory and uh, try to really show it. And I keep hearing, you know, talking to actors, I keep hearing, um, play the play the profession. Um, you know, if if you bring the water, you bring the water. That's it, right? So don't don't go that deep uh, into it because that's not what they're looking for. Uh, you're not supposed to steal the scene. You're not supposed to uh, be the star of that particular uh, episode. Just do your job. And uh, you understood that. Others didn't. And that's why uh, one of the reasons why you booked it. It's not just the look, but you got it. And it's, it's a great lesson for all the actors who are listening of just don't worry about it and play the profession. Mm -hmm. You know, that is a really good point. And I do think that... Um, I do think it can be tricky mm -hmm. to find the balance and sometimes you're not sure, but I do think that I've made that mistake on the other side more often than not. I think that the training that I received was a lot about the backstory. What's the true mm -hmm. intent? Every scene's a love scene. And that's just not true. That's just bad information. It's not true. You're right. Sometimes it's just bringing the water, you know, or check the coat or whatever it is. It's just that. Because again, it's to me, it's just, it's inefficient and we want to put all of these layers on and then we want to say well behind these layers are these layers mm -hmm. it's not about the layers because we as people as 
people, as actors, we have our lives. We are who we are. Our mannerisms are our mannerisms. People who are watching us on the screen are going to put their uh, idea of what it is that's going on through. You have to be you in that character at that time. It does not have to be all of this complicated. And that's why uh, when you know some brilliant young actors who haven't had any training are just blowing up and people are saying, oh my God, you know, they haven't had any training. Not having any training actually helps them to be themselves and to be organic because they don't have all of this garbage that they have to throw away and filter through in order to get to that being organic state. That's very, very true. I mean, you're definitely right about that. You know, it lets them be organic and authentic. You're right. Because if you're, yeah, I think you're right. I think that, that we need to, and it kind of goes back to what we were saying before. If you're just present and you're just playing the profession, stuff will come. Yeah. Stuff will be there. It doesn't have to be mechanical. It doesn't have to be dead. Yeah. You know, if, if you're just there, if I'm bringing you water, there's probably a moment of something, something where I'm like, you know, you do something makes me laugh or I start to trip or who knows what. But if you're just in the moment, something, but it's trusting it. And again, I think that goes back to the trust. And I think that it's, it's a gamble, you know, you're trusting yourself, you're trusting your instincts and it is a scary place to go. Yes. And it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not a, you know, named actor. I, you know, the industry doesn't know me from, uh, from anybody else, but um, it took me as an actor a while to get away from all of that because I did hear, you know, you have to have your intention and the intention always play the love because love is going to be better. And then you try to integrate that. And then you try to go into a scene and saying, okay, I need to find, I need to play the love until I removed all of that crap. And I was just focused on the person. And if the person, you know, if you'll know, because intuitively we all grow up, we, we grow up, uh, uh, we go through all of our circumstances, we go through relationships, you know, if you see the, uh, the flirt in the other person's eyes, you're going to react accordingly. Uh, or maybe you're, you're going to feel uncomfortable and that'll be a surprising choice. And then the casting director or the director is going to say, oh my God, I didn't expect that choice. What choice? It was, it was just normal reaction. It was an organic right. thing. They're looking for the organic, but we're trying to get there inorganically, which just ruins, I think, a lot of actors in the process. Yeah, no, I really agree with that. I think you're right. I think you're definitely right about that. I had some yeah. Oh, um, yeah, I think you're right. Um, but if a complete devil's advocate, I just watched uh, Clueless again. <laughs> Great movie. And I always enjoy um, when Cher gets mugged. Yeah. Because the mugger apparently never mugged anyone before. And I thought that was an interesting choice. And I don't know if that's the way it was written. I don't know, but whoever's idea that was, I'm assuming the actor had something to do with that, where he was like, okay, get down and count to hundred and he leaves. And I love that. I thought that was very interesting. So I do think that, um, you know, there are ways that you can add to it without getting cerebral, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's the beauty of it, right? So it's, uh, that's why the great actors are so great at it, of uh, being organic. And even if they're making any choices or there is some, uh, some kind of planning uh, or intention behind it, we don't know it because mm -hmm. it is so good that we just don't notice it. Um, I, I find it so funny. Um, and I'm not going to mention any names, but, you know, the same, uh, same casting director that keeps telling everybody to be themselves. 
is the casting director when we were watching tapes of other people. And here's a person, very, very nice actor, but here's a person and I immediately see the acting choice that he's making. And this acting uh, casting director says, oh my God, that was so organic and so wonderful. I'm like, you are full of it. So it was just precious uh, to see that casting directors are normal people. They are looking for whatever it is they're looking for. They're going to disagree. They're going to be completely subjective. And if you're trying to please them, you're going to go, you know, uh, nuts because you should just do what you feel is right for that particular role for who you are. And then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You, you can't try to even go in the direction of what are they looking for? Because most of the time they don't know either. Well, and that's a really good point. And that was something that I learned on the set of Raymond. I had come off a couple of sets and I'm, I don't remember too many specifics. I do remember one. Mm -hmm. um, there were a couple of times, you know, in acting class, you collaborate. And I think my first SAG job, I do remember this one very well. I was doing, um, uh, funny, I ran into the woman, Connie Salica. I don't know if you remember Connie from LA Law, but I ran into her 20 years later um, at a cafe. But, uh, but 20 years earlier, I'd gotten my SAG card serving her chicken salad in a cafe and um, <laughs> on a movie called uh, called uh, A Dangerous Affair with Gregory Harrison. Actually, who else just ran into? Um, yeah, so uh, there was a phone call. Like someone, oh, maybe it was me. I forget. Someone was picking up the phone. Maybe me. Um, and there was something with like the close-up on the phone. There was some issue with the phone. And I was watching the director and the star, and they were like, well, we could do this or we could do that. And I said, oh, or you could do da da da, -da. And both eyes went right to me. And no one said anything from it. They said, thank you. And I was like, oh God, I guess no one wants to hear my opinion. <laughs> I just took a star and some couple of lines. So um, from there, I was really nervous. Like I didn't want to say anything to anyone. And I went in a different, got a different set. Actually, I think it was a Frasier. I forget. And I had another idea. This is a few years later where I was feeling more confident. I was on Frasier. I was like, oh, people might care. And I said, I think to someone on set who wasn't the director, I was like, I have an idea. They could do blah, blah, blah. And this person who liked me said, why don't you just stick to acting? And I was like, okay, that is it. I'm done. No more ideas. I'll just keep my ideas to myself. Well, then I got to Raymond and I was like, I'm here to do kind of feeling like I'm in my lane. This is my box. And there was the opposite. They were like, ideas, ideas. What do you got? And everybody was in and everyone was like brainstorming at that point. I was so used to not, you know, so it's tricky. You, you know, you, you sometimes you just don't know. You don't know who's open, who's not open. And then Modern Family, hugely open to ideas. And I was so nervous in that set. I had not acted for uh, 10 years. It had been a long time. I've been having babies. I was home having babies. And then out of nowhere, I ended up on the set of Modern Family, which was so brilliant. Uh, Jeff Greenberg, brilliant casting director, um, brought me in for that role. And I got that with Allison Dunbar. And, um, yeah, and we were doing this thing, and I was like, hey, what if we do this? And they were like, what is that? And they were like, great, let's do it, let's try it. It was just so fun. And, of course, to come FD, same thing. You know, what do you got? Try it, let's do it, let's run it. It's just, when you have that kind of environment, it makes the, I think it makes the work better. I think it brings out, it gives you more confidence as an actor. You're there, you know, you think like, oh, I've got something to offer. I'm good. I'm worth listening to. I have an idea. Let's try it. Like it makes you feel like you're a part of the group and not just like lucky to be there. You know, like you're lucky to be here, kid. Let's just keep your ideas over there. Yeah. I probably would not do very well on those sets. 
uh, long term. You know, a short term, whatever you're doing. You're doing a co-star. You know, you're there, and then you get out. So I'd probably be okay. You know, keeping my mouth shut. But if if I'm if I'm involved in something longer term, and if it's recurring, uh, I yeah, I want this to be a collaborative environment yeah. because as an actor, you don't want to be stifled. You want to be open. And there's, you know, why would you, it's like telling your child who wants to share it, no, I don't want to hear it. What, what are you doing and who's helping? Uh, it's, you, you really need to be, uh, to be open. And that's, again, why uh, just knowing myself, the environments like Tacoma FD, you know, I would have a lot of fun on and I would just want to be there because it's fun. It's great. It's open. Everybody is, uh, is, uh, is playing. And that usually brings out the best results. I, I have not seen one episode that I did not enjoy. Um, the, the only things that are weird to me is, again, I'm, I'm used to seeing Steve, uh, uh, you know, when he was younger. And now I'm seeing Steve when he's a bit older. And now I'm seeing all these things on Steve's body that I didn't see before. I'm like, wait a second. How did he get that scar? So that, that's What? You've noticed scars? Yeah, on Steve uh, on Steve's body, he has a he has a big scar in his uh, left uh, uh, abdomen, uh, left side of his abdomen, which oh. now I need to know where that where they came from. Uh, so initially, I thought maybe it was you know kind of the thing that they did in one uh, in one episode, and then I saw it in multiple episodes. I'm like, well, maybe that's a real thing. I, I need to I need to figure out what happened. So it was it's more of that rather than. Um, hey, I didn't like the choice that they made. Everything is just, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what's your goal as an actor? You're still relatively new to this game. And by the way, I, I want to give some kudos to your wife because one of my very, very, very first jobs was um, in a play in New York. I was brand new. I think it may have been my first job. No, that was my second job. And uh, the gentleman who I'm still friends with today, he played a rabbi. It was a Jewish, it was like a, some kind of a religious play. Um, not a great play, but, uh, he was uh, mid forties, late forties. And he worked in law. I don't think he was a lawyer. I think he was paralegal, something to that effect. And he wanted to be an actor. And he was like, I just told my wife I'm quitting. I'm going to be an actor. And that poor guy was divorced within 18 months. She was just not supportive. And by the way, as a woman over 40 who's got children, if my, I'm divorced now, but if I had a husband who quit his job to be an actor, I don't know that I'd be supportive either. I'd be like, look, buddy, you can be an actor when these kids are in school, in college, that is, you know, but right now you need to. So I really applaud your wife for just supporting your dreams. I mean, that's really, it's a, it's a wonderful, you have a wonderful partner. Thank you. I, I agree completely, but it's not easy on either of us. And uh, because of it, I had to kind of uh, make uh, sacrifices and not quit everything and become an actor. Because being in a secondary market in Chicago, having a 16 and an 11 year old, almost a few days, um, you know, making sure that we do right by them in terms of time and in terms of financial stability. My wife is um, brilliant and she is all about stability. It's all about linear progression. It's all about growing. It's all about being an expert in something and then continuing along that path. She started in finance as an analyst in corporate finance, and now she's a CFO. So she's gone through all of that, and she, you know, got her, uh, got her bachelor's, got her master's. 
you know, she knows that that uh, lifestyle and that trend. Lifestyle of an actor, there is no linear anything. It's, it's, it's here and nobody has any idea of whether any of it is going to work, whether at any point you'll have any stability, whether you're going to make any money at all. So yeah. it's, it's a very, very difficult lifestyle. And my wife and I basically had to have a conversation. She said, look, I'm not going to have any more instability like that. So uh, what I've recently found is that uh, as I started doing this program, uh, which uh, May 20th was the first show uh, with Michael Kostroff, who's awesome. I love you, Michael, uh, if you're watching. So um, doing the show and getting in a way, because we all need kind of our acting fix, uh, because it's an addictive drug. Um, we, we love acting. Um, doing the show and speaking to so many people and really um, being able to swim in those waters on an everyday basis pretty much gives me a part of that fix. So mm -hmm. I've made a decision recently and I let go of my agent yesterday. I've made oh, a Wow, oh my God. I've made a decision recently. I'm not giving up on acting but I've made a decision that acting is not going to be my number one. Acting oh. is going to be a part of the mix, but I have my, you know, IT business that I'm trying to, uh, to lift, uh, to have stability. I, I have the show that I love and all, all of a sudden I'm getting close to interviewing a hundred people. It's ridiculous. Uh, and all sorts of doors and opportunities are being open. I have now some uh, production, uh, you know, being a producer, producing that production producing opportunities that are starting to come up. So acting will always be a part of it. And when I find uh, the right opportunity, I will be pursuing it. But yeah, with, as you mentioned, with the wife, if I told her, honey, I'm going to become an actor, we would not be together. Uh, and I would not be blaming her at all. So we have to make choices. And my choice was, I love my family. I am not going to sacrifice that for a dream that I can continue pursuing, but in a way that suits me at this point of time better. And it's a more holistic and a healthy approach to it. Well, frankly, I think that's going to make you a better actor as well, because so. when you have a full life, you have things to draw on. You're not desperate for the job. You come in with a life, you come in complete, you come in not hungry it's better. Yeah. And it, uh, talking to people and, you know, like yourself, it, it allows me to crystallize my own approach to bounce ideas uh, off of uh, working professionals, people who've been on these uh, amazing sets that I've you know, been watching for, uh, for years. Uh, and already during these four months is four months or so, whatever that I've been uh, doing this uh, program, I am a much better actor than I was when it started. So yes. whatever is in the future from the purely acting perspective, uh, I'm good with this choice. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's great. I do. Um, that was a long time ago and I was still in acting class, but we had a friend in class, good looking guy, um, but he had a sales job that took maybe between three and five hours a day, made a good living doing it. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm quitting to be an actor. We were like, don't do it. No. Don't do it. He's like, no, I feel guilty. I feel torn. I was like, don't, don't do it. You do not want to do that. I'm telling you, it's the best cake in town. Any one of us would kill to have that. 
and he quit and it didn't work out of course it's too much pressure you know unless you're really really working like jason alexander um went to uh same went to the same college not at the same time but um but he quit school because he was like on broadway like if you're on broadway you know that's one thing but if you're just you're just like you know doing student films it's not a good time to quit your job yeah and it it all depends it depends on so many different factors uh you you mentioned it and uh you bring you bring another memory into uh, into my uh, uh, my memory banks for lack of a better explanation. Uh, I was I had an IT consulting business and then I started Second City, you know, A through E. And I think in B, um, I had a choice of I don't want to miss any class, and I had a training opportunity out of town. Uh, at that point, you know, my my training business was doing really well. I literally passed off on doing a $10,000 training gig in order not to miss an improv class, which to me felt amazing because I'm choosing my passion. I'm choosing my future. I'm choosing my life over something that was holding me back. Great, but retrospectively looking at it, what a stupid thing to do. <laughs> Uh, you know, uh, you can always take a class uh, on a different day and go, you know, that $10,000 in my bank account right now would be really helpful. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's something that I'm learning, you know, as I get older is that it's really okay to have more than one interest. If, by the way, people advise you now to have more than one job. They say that you should have several incomes, several income streams, right? So I kind of think of it that way you know you look you just you, you build your life some people get to be full-time actors that's a very small pool it's a small pool but lots of people get to do it along with other things along with parenting along with other jobs a lot of people get to do that and i don't think that's bad you know i don't i mean i um i don't i think it all feeds into i think anything you do with your life outside of acting makes you a better actor i agree so what's next for you i know that uh you uh, are you pitching the idea of that uh, of that show? Where where is that in the, in process? Forty something and single. Um, that uh, we I kind of dropped the ball on that show. You know, speaking of this, I really believed in that um, that uh, I wrote a web series. It's a full web series. That was a proof of concept. Um, mm -hmm. I wrote a full web series. It was maybe a year after my divorce. It was based on you know me figuring it out, I'm a single mom three, and how am I gonna manage this? So um, I really believed in the web series. I couldn't get the funding for the web series. I could get the funding for the proof of concept. So we did the proof of concept. I wrote that proof of concept. I don't think it's as good as the full series. And I think that that was a big mistake if I could do something different. Yeah. I felt like, oh, it's a proof of concept, it's good enough. That was a big mistake. Yeah. Good enough is not okay. The proof of concept, better than the actual script and my proof of concept was not better than my actual script um i felt like it was good enough so i'm not you know i'm proud of what we did i think it's good i think it's funny but it's a funny time there is so much content i mean there is so much content right now that to stand out and you know i guess if i was a bigger cheerleader or more idealistic i'd be like it's okay mine's special but there's so much content and i feel like there's content that's very topical and very edgy and if I devoted all of my time I feel like if I had more time to devote to it I don't know I would do some kind of a spin and one person said that they were like well can you make the the family wrestlers or something like that 
or I don't know, like uh, welders, something very specific. And I was like, what? But I kind of get it. I feel like you need something to stand out. Although I guess that's what they told Ray Romano too. And he didn't, I don't know. I just haven't really pushed it. I guess I, I would, if I really believed I had something that was so cutting edge and so different, I think I would really, really push it. But I feel a little bit like I'm missing, I feel like I'm missing something. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. What do you Mm. think? You saw it. What do you think of it? I haven't seen it. I want to see it. That's why I wanted to know. Oh, oh. I'm sure it's Huh? Okay. So if anyone's still watching, it's Tina Arning's 40-something and single. It is funny. I Yeah, please watch it. It's nine minutes long. I mean, I think it's really cute. Um, I just haven't done anything with it at this point. Oh. I shouldn't have said that. I should have been pitching it. It's in development. HBO Max. We're talking HBO Max and Netflix. It's a bidding war. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, hopefully Prime gets in on the action. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. We're going to all the streamers. Yeah. Listen, you. Um, it's any... I think any idea should be giving a chance uh, to breathe and uh, to come to fruition. So if you have something that you're not as happy with, then continue working on it and uh, reshoot it and add some elements to it and, uh, and keep doing it. So uh, I, I like the idea. Uh, the idea is, uh, is topical. Uh, idea is appropriate. And uh, there's definitely an audience for it. So keep doing it. I, at least this is my, you know, unsolicited opinion. Thank you. I'll take that. Yeah. But take I'm that. definitely going to watch it and I'll let you know. And uh, we'll, we'll put it uh, right below the, the video. Great. So hope, Sounds good. Thank you. I hope other people can watch it as well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on, Tina. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Alan, you're a pleasure. You're a delight. I'm, congratulations on your 100 episodes. I'm very excited to see that you do more with this. It's really great. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for tuning in. We, uh, as, as usual, we are just having fun over here. And hopefully you're having fun with us on The Love of Acting. Thank you.